Welcome to Junior L's and Now What, interlude episode 10.5. It's been a couple of weeks since I recorded last. Last weekend, I was on a fishing excursion with some of my kids and a few other relatives. We do this every year. Uh, We typically either go to one of the local lakes or we go up to one of the lakes just outside of West Yellowstone called Henry's Lake. Absolutely spectacularly breathtakingly gorgeous up there. One of the things that's been interesting over the last handful of years that we've done this is some of the unique challenges that follow the preparation for these kind of trips. Some of those preparations that are probably the most difficult is food preparation, especially when you bring in large different groups of people and uh, ranging in age, especially when you have younger kids. One of the things that's difficult is you have to struggle with allergies, or likes and dislikes, or any other things like, uh, you know, how difficult it's going to be to prepare food in an unfamiliar kitchen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I wanted to share something as this came to mind that was a extremely huge eye-opener for me when my youngest son was diagnosed as being on the spectrum. So this was a few years ago, and we were meeting with a psychologist or psychiatrist, I don't recall which, that actually did the formal diagnosing. And he told us that one of the things as parents that we would struggle with the most with him, more than likely, more than anything else, is food. For those of you who don't know, people around the spectrum often have uh, sensory issues. And by that, I don't necessarily mean the sensors, senses aren't working. You need your touch, your sight, your cell, smell, taste, etc. It's that they're, for lack of a better word, exaggerated. It's less about the nerves themselves being different, you know, like my taste buds are stronger than someone else's. It's more about the way the brain processes or receives that information. It's almost like it's either less diluted or less filtered or uh, the floodgates have opened and multiple senses are hitting the brain at once. Either way, it makes things difficult. I know from my personal experience, uh, touch and hearing are two of my most difficult senses. I know with my oldest boy, who was also on the spectrum when he was younger, Sound was a huge issue for him. He was covering his ears constantly. And so each person struggles a little differently. And I'm not saying it's isolated to just people who are on the spectrum. But people on the spectrum tend to have this issue as a common concern. Food, as the psychologist was sharing with us, is probably the most difficult from a senses perspective because it affects all of them. You see, you hear, you touch, you taste, you smell your food. And because of that... When you're a parent and you're trying to persuade your child to eat something, a typical or a neurotypical child may be picky. They may be struggling. They may be blatantly obstinate. But a person who's on the spectrum, one of the things they're going to struggle with is that a little tiny exposure to food, whether it's in the form of just touching it or smelling it, could by itself overwhelm the senses and prevent them from wanting to to do anything else with the food. And it can be very frustrating Uh, I will tell you, after learning this from my youngest child, it made me rather um, feel bad as a father because of my lack of patience with my oldest child, who's also on the spectrum. Because when he was younger, holy cow, he struggled eating. And it was so incredibly difficult. Uh, I wish that when he was younger, I would have known then what I know now. Whether anything else would have changed, at least I would have been more patient. I know for me personally... When I was younger, anybody who prepared food for me, I am sure I gave them a complex. My parents are both very good cooks. 
And I can definitely definitively say that uh, because my wife agrees, I agree, my kids agree, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm putting that out there because when I was a kid, I did not act like it. And it was no fault of theirs. It was certainly everything to do with me. Well, I'm just going to lead into my top five uh, things, and hopefully that will help kind of understand what I'm talking about here. I feel like I'm rambling, and so if I am, then great, because I'm very good at it, and at least I'm practicing one of my skills. All right, so top five foods that I struggle with, and I doubt I'm alone in these. All right, so the first one is sauces, and by that I mean things like ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, salad dressings. As an adult, I eat almost none of them. As a child, I definitely ate none of them. There was a period of time I remember that I would eat spaghetti with just dry noodles because I wouldn't even like the red sauce. An interesting thing talking about senses, one of the things that people often refer to or talk about when they're talking about a person who's on the spectrum is eye contact. And one of the things that scientists have been recently learning is that one of the reasons why people who are on the spectrum struggle with eye contact is that it literally is painful to to force a person who's on the spectrum to look at someone else in the eyes has the potential to actually cause them a kind of pain. I don't know a lot of the specifics and it's a relatively recent study, but I will tell you with the sound, one of those bottles, like a catch a bottle makes, when it makes that almost like farting sound, it does the same thing to me. It's like somebody dragging their fingernails across chalkboards. So, no, I don't think it was the sound that stopped me liking those things. I just don't like the taste of them. But that is one of my idiosyncrasies when it comes to food, sauces. Another one, number two, is anything that's marbly or even remotely chewy. Uh, I, I'm one of those people who can't enjoy a good um, cut of meat a lot of times because any inconsistency in the textures will immediately make me lose my appetite. And so I'm not talking like I'll have a couple of bites. Oh, I found a little piece I can't eat and then I'm going to move on. Oh, no, I have that little piece. I am done. I cannot eat again sometimes for hours. And so um, I, it's just been in the last few years that I've really been able to actually uh, eat certain types of food that have that problem. Uh, steak is a big example of that. So that's, uh, that's something. And, and so I've got a very texture palette that I've begun to learn over the years. I cannot eat off the bone. I don't know if it's a it's a visual thing or if it's a texture thing or just all in my head, but I cannot eat off of the bone. So you know how every one of the dogs are like, oh, let's do a KFC thing. Yeah, no, not me. Not a big fan. Um, the whole picking off the bone thing, not going to happen. Uh, raw oysters, <clears throat> whether that's a good idea or not, this is one of those situations where I can honestly say I tried it once. I had a bad experience. Never again. And then the fifth one is eggs. As a kid, I don't know what it was about eggs, if it was the smell, if it was the sound, if it was the taste or what, but I could barely eat scrambled eggs, let alone any other kind of eggs. As an adult, I have kind of grown past some of that. I think some of it comes from cooking my own food, but uh, I can eat a different couple of different types of eggs as far as like the way they're prepared, but I'm still pretty limited. Like a hard-boiled egg is probably the simplest thing in the world to cook and to eat. I cannot stand them. Um... When it comes to deviled eggs, they look incredibly appetizing. And I know some people who make amazing versions of those. And I look at them and I smell them and I'm so excited to try one. And I have my first bite of it. And that's the last bite I want to have for at least another 10 years before I'm willing to try it again. So um, kind of come full circle back. One of the things that psychologists taught us about uh, people who are autistic is that when you say, I want you to try a bite, one bite of something. 
when we think of a bite, we think of like maybe a spoonful worth of food. One of the things that's helped me to get over some of my food issues is the same thing he taught us that we've been working with our kids on is that a single bite could be sometimes smaller than a pea in size. Again, it comes back to the way the brain processes. A small pea will have the same impact on the brain as a spoonful for a neurotypical person. Uh, we were also taught that instead of having them have a bite if they're unwilling to, sometimes it's worth having them play with their food because it exposes them to it, makes them less afraid of it. So these are all the things we've been trying to do with our kids. And frankly, some of the things that I've had to do for myself, I really hated mushrooms as a kid growing up, but over the last handful of years, my wife was a huge fan of them. Little by little, I've begun to adapt and I've actually started to really thoroughly enjoy them. So going back full, full circle, back to the fishing trip again, I will tell you that all of us that were on this fishing trip all had our unique things going on in our lives back at home. And it was so wonderful to be able to go outside, enjoy the fresh air. We were on a boat on a beautiful lake. Uh, the, the winter season has lasted longer around here than normal. And it's been great because there's all the snow up in the mountains. Uh, the air was crisp. One of the days we were on the lake, it was in the mid 40s. And I love the love, love the cold weather. And uh, it was it was just so great to get along. So I have to share with you that, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the far side where it shows the two bears standing in the middle of a city wearing trench coats. And one turns to the other and says, you know, it's just so nice to get away. It makes no sense to me because I'm not a city person. However, the concept of changing your scenery for a little while, getting away from what you're used to for a little while is really good for the psyche. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, to end this interlude episode, I hope you have a spectacular week. Smile and be happy. And remember, this is fitting for this podcast, Chuck Norris can drown a fish.